Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to another week of Chasing Frets. My name is Jason Shadrick, and I am here this week with Joe Gore. How you doing, man? Doing brilliantly, actually. Um, I've been really looking forward to uh, talking to Mary Halverson. I've never interviewed her before, though I have friends who have. And wow, talk about a talk about a unique guitar personality, man. She is, and she's she's uh, she has this way of taking these obtuse, in some ways improvisation jazz-based ideas and kind of breaking them down and, and helping me understand them for sure. And I've been lucky enough to, to hang with her and watch her play. She's come through Iowa, it seems like, man, about once a year now. Uh, and I've gotten to see her with Thumbscrew and, and in some other groups. And one of the once we kind of locked her in that she's going to be on the podcast, the, the number one topic I wanted to talk to her about, because I haven't really had a chance to talk to any other artists about is playing free and and you know how free is it are, are she is a, a kind of a she was a student of anthony braxton who was yeah, the great the great jazz composer yeah and you know there are elements to his music that's that's free and elements that aren't and and it was so interesting hearing how she how she thought about it how she broke it down and even how she suggested or even practice, you know, how to practice being free. Um, and to me, she, there's few few guitarists on the jazz scene now who can probably uh, talk as authoritatively and as, as engagingly as she can about it. I'll go ahead and speak for all of us guitar players in the universe. Um, you know, we, we rely on our muscle memory and our tricks probably more than we should. And she's somebody who's really confronted that issue. You know, when she sits down to create something, it's something unique in that moment. She's obviously you bring your 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 past with you every time you play, and um, you know you're not inventing the guitar anew. But she approaches each situation with this spontaneity and freshness that um, I really envy. It's, yeah, it's very inspiring. It is. It's super inspiring. So she's going to be our guest this week. There's going to be lots to dig into in these in these episodes. So hope you can hang with us. And if you want to reach us, you can hit us up at chasingfritz at premierguitar.com. So here's our first episode with Mary Halverson. All right, Mary, thanks so much for, for hanging out with us and joining us this week on Chasing Frets. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? We're doing good. We just kind of before we started rolling was kind of surmising the the musical upsides of being in a in a months long pandemic, and and it sounded like you were you were holding it together and getting some music together. Yeah, I mean, 
in a weird way, I mean, people keep saying this, but we've got to find some positive throughout this thing or we're all going to go crazy. I mean, not to mention all the stuff happening in the world around us, which is horrifying. Um, so I think for me, the, the positive that I've gotten out of this period, at least on a personal inward level, is being able to practice a lot of guitar. Um, and, and, all, and to add to that, I've been able to practice a lot of guitar without having specific music to work on. I think because I think in general, when I was running around, you know, playing a bunch of gigs, I'd have a lot of music to learn specifically for those gigs. And now I really don't have that. So I'm able to just really sit with the guitar and work on nuts and bolts, kind of just really basic type of stuff. So that's been something I've been wanting to make the time for for a long time. And, and I guess now's the time. There's nothing else to do. Can you can you can you expand on that a little bit? I'm always curious when a when a really fine guitarist decides they want to practice some more and where they, where they turn, what are some of the things that have been uh, meaningful uh, exercises or breakthroughs for you during this time? Um, I think, you know, it depends for me on, on the period of time, but right now I've been particularly interested in chord voicings and, and arpeggios and, and working on jazz standards um, and, and kind of all three of those things. So um you know, one book I've been looking at, which is really cool, is the um, uh, the Ted Green chord books. Mm. Um, so just getting into stuff like that, like thinking about experience. I, I was a I, I was a Ted student. You were. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. When I was when I when I was seventeen, and then again in middle age, you know, like decades apart, I kind of had two stretches with him. And oh wow, um, he was an amazing guy. He would have loved you. <laughs> would have loved to have met him <laughs> uh is chord chemistry is that one of them you're working yes, on yeah. i love that um so i've been looking at that and and you know just applying that to arpeggios and and then applying those things to to playing tunes i love working on standards that's something that I've, I've always had as a part of my practice routine but it's nice now to be able to have that be the main focus. Mm -hmm. but that, but that's interesting you say that though, because standing outside looking looking at, at your work, um, it seems like you've really, I mean, to you, it seems like you've been de defining standards as a lot of post nineteen sixty stuff, not necessarily Great American Songbook tunes or Jerome Kern, but yeah. um, a, you know a lot of things that came out in the sixties and seventies. Mm -hmm. Is this? Are you talking about going back and playing songs from the thirties and forties? Yeah, I mean, all kinds of stuff. I'm trying to think what, what I've been working on just this week. Um, I was just playing, I mean, everything from, I was playing I'll Be Seeing You and Misty and um, Evidence and um, just all kinds of different stuff. Um, but I think I've been really, in order to have a focus of, of practicing, I think for me, it's it's almost been like working on a different tune every day. Mm -hmm. and, um, and not even necessarily with the goal of performing, the tunes but just as a means to get better at the guitar one of the things when we first arranged to have you on the show one of the topics that really came to mind and it kind of dovetails into this practicing discussion was in a way like what does it mean to play free you know you hear so many people kind of use that as a buzzword well they're just playing free there's no changes and mm -hmm. sometimes that can come with some really beautiful results. Like I've seen you do that in a number of different situations and, and heard you do it. And sometimes uh, maybe not so much because it just feels like it's aimlessly wandering and noodling. Right, right. When did you first kind of get into the idea of getting rid of a preset 
form or core changes or even tonic center and start expanding into more free playing? I mean, I think it's something I've always been interested in, um, but I've never been exclusively interested in it. Um, but I do remember, I remember the first time I ever quote unquote played free. I was at some kind of a jazz camp when I was a teenager. There was another guitarist there and he was like, let's, let's just improvise. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? I don't even know what, what that is. And I remember just playing duo with him and just improvising with no set tune or structure. And I remember being that being a moment for me where I thought, oh, wow, this is really exciting and, and something I haven't explored before. Um, so I think I've been, in, and, you know, and then studying with Anthony Braxton um, and a lot of his music, although it's highly structured, um, doesn't necessarily have changes. So I, I think I've always been interested in all the different structures or lack of structures that can exist within music, but not necessarily having them as completely separate entities. You know, so just what are all the different ways you can improvise and, and make creative music, whether there's chord changes, whether there's some kind of other crazy structure, whether there, there's no structure at all, and maybe you're trying to create a structure in the moment. So I think one thing that's been interesting to me is to not put all those things in boxes and say, oh, now I'm doing my free thing, and now I'm playing a tune. Um, but to try to find some kind of way that you can meld those influences. Um, and along those lines, I think actually working on tunes is a great way to work on playing free. Um, because it's going to inform what you play. You know, it's great for building um, your ear, and there's no reason just because you're playing free that you can't be throwing in harmonies, um, melodic, harmonic ideas. Um, just because it's free doesn't mean that everything is completely atonal and out of time. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's something I value is if you're creating something free to me, that means you're making something up that wasn't predetermined, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's just totally amorphous and not coming from something. If you're, if you're incorporating a free approach when playing a standard or any other composition, do you find yourself drawing, you know, uh, melodic or harmonic motifs from the song as references within um, the free passages or is free just really means you cut all the ropes and there isn't necessarily a conceptual connection to the original piece? Um, yeah, that's that's a complicated question. I think if I if I am playing a tune, it, it really depends on how I define that. So if I'm playing a tune, um, I'm probably going to play the tune, you know, play, play the structure of it, play the chord changes. Um, but there are situations where I've taken a tune and kind of used it as a jumping off point. Um, to something that's a little bit freer, or maybe just taking a melodic idea from the tune and, you know, ignoring the harmony and using the melody to get to a, a different space. So I think there's a lot of different ways to, to use material from standards um, without having it be strict. Um, but, I, but I kind of enjoy all of it. I mean, I, I do enjoy improvising freely with, with no tune whatsoever. I enjoy doing my best to, to play a tune in the structure that's presented to me. And I, but I also, I think what interests me most is having, having some of that influence there, the, those melodic and rhythmic ideas to, to use um, in more free playing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. as, a, as a listener, what, what grabs your ear and your mind when you hear somebody playing in a free setting that's good, that engages you, as opposed to somebody, uh, a group or a musician playing in a free setting that's not so interesting? Um, I mean, I think like any other genre, there, there's a lot of good stuff in it and a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of cliches. I mean, 
you know, people say free as if that means there's there's no limits. But when you actually think about a lot of free improvisation, it's very stylistic, you know, just like playing quote unquote straight ahead jazz would be stylistic. So there's there's kind of things that that tend to happen. And, you know, in, in some cases that can become very predictable, just like anything else. Um, so I think what what tends to, to interest me is when when people are really trying for different things and not feeling confined to to playing within that genre. I don't know if I, I'm explaining this well, but you know, and if you could bring in any kind of influence you want in a free manner, and I think that would be pretty interesting. You know, let's say someone's influenced by flamenco music and they're using that in a in a free manner, that could be interesting. You know, I don't know that I've heard a whole lot of that. There was a great phrase you used, and I'm about to misquote you on it, but when uh, Premier Guitar <laughs> interviewed you about uh, five uh, five years ago, um, you said something like, uh, the guitar is stylistically neutral, Mm-hmm. Um, does that ring a bell? That sounds like something I might have said. Um, I think that, <laughs> I think that's true. That that's one of the things that drew me to the guitar is that it's it's a little bit hard to box in. You know, like when you think of a saxophone, you're probably going to think of jazz first if if you were going to associate it with something. And with guitar, I mean, maybe people would say rock and roll, but I, I feel like that doesn't exist as much because you could have guitar and rock music. It could be folk music. It could be classical guitar. It could be jazz. Um, it could be a number of things. So I think, um, and also it could be acoustic. It could be electric. There's just so much palette wise that you could do with a guitar that I think it, it, it feels a little bit more like wide open terrain um, that you'd be able to explore any of those avenues. Um, without being tied down to one specific thing as much. Not that you can't do that on a saxophone, but I'm just saying guitar lends itself yeah. to that. There's more. It seems like there's more previous inspiration to draw from for the last 60 years of electric guitar playing or whatever or more. Uh, that there's just the, there's a bigger buffet of influences to take from <laughs> to make your own thing. I mean, yeah. You mentioned that first time when you and another guitar player uh, decided to kind of sit around and improvise. Later, you mentioned studying with Anthony Braxton. What was what were some of the ideas that he was passing along to you in, in terms of this kind of playing? Um, well, you know, almost one of the most important things that, that he taught me was he was into everything. He, he had such a deep love of so many different musical traditions, and he was so excited about music. Um, and he never would say things like, ah, this kind of music is bullshit. You know, he really loved so many different kinds of music and encouraged us to explore different things. So with him, it almost just felt like nothing's off limits. Mm. Um, and that, and he really encouraged us to, to learn musical traditions and to take from them as opposed to being like, oh, I, you know, I just want to play this crazy stuff. So I'm going to disregard everything that happened before. He never had that kind of attitude. And so I think... It was also just his energy is so infectious and inspiring. Like he's just so excited. It, it makes music seem like it's fun and creative um, as opposed to some heavy, you know, like, I don't know. He made me excited to play music. That, that, I guess that's the bottom line. Like any great teacher should. Yeah. You know? When you were growing up, were you always kind of a, a jazz kid or did you come to the guitar from a different stylistic place? Um, well, originally I was into Hendrix, so that, that's why I started. And I was probably like 11, so I was into Hendrix and um, the Beatles, and I was into the Smashing Pumpkins at the time, and Nirvana, bands like that. I was really into the Allman Brothers. So I think those kinds of, that kind of guitar music was what got me started. But then I had a jazz guitarist as a teacher in high school, and he got me really into jazz. And then I got really into jazz. And then I had all these friends that were into jazz and were sharing recordings and, and 
talking about jazz all the time, playing it. So I got I got pretty deep into it in, in high school. Um, but it definitely wasn't my original intent. It was just something that, that I discovered. And, and kind of the more I learned about it, the more interested I became. I love hearing, as I think we're probably of the same generation, of hearing the Smashing Pumpkins as an influence. Because in, <laughs> yeah. in middle and high school, man, that was that was it for me. It's like those, that Melancholy album oh, like, yeah. really opened my eyes and stuff to that. What So what are the influences you, you gleaned from Smashing Pumpkins as a young the young guitarist, Mary. Oh God. I mean, I don't know if I could say specifically, but it was definitely one of the early influences where I just thought, Oh, they're really good songs. Mm. And I remember at one point I had a smashing pumpkins cover band with two of my girlfriends, one who played electric bass and the other one didn't play anything, but she got a bunch of pots and pans. and was kind of playing drums and we were trying to learn these songs like Soma what what was the please tell me you had a super creative name for the band you know this is gonna be so not fun but i actually don't remember <laughs> i don't remember i don't even know if it got far enough that we had a name oh, and like an all-female <laughs> didn't leave my parents living room an all-female smashing pumpkins tribute band i think that, that might be something you need to revisit i mean i like that sounds like a winter jazz festival gig waiting to happen <laughs> <laughs> but that was even before I would have known the phrase tribute band. It was just like, oh, we like the Smashing Pumpkins. Let, let's get together and <laughs> learn a couple of these songs. Uh, getting back to the free playing for a moment, it's, you know, when, when you're thinking of free playing, there's a temptation, you know, to imagine that it's something that, you know, can't be taught or exists outside of teaching or is, exists mm-hmm. outside of practice. But at the same time, I mean, the term free jazz has been around for 60 years now. And there are these schools of, of, you know, improvisation and great players, you know, from, you know, Derek Bailey to Ornette to Anthony Braxton, who went on to have, you know, great influence with subsequent generations of players. Is Mm -hmm. there a system or pedagogy or styles, you know, within the overall heading of free? Or does free really mean all that stuff is out the window and you're just in the moment? I think there there probably are systems of, of learning it, but it's probably not as codified as, say, a system of learning bebop or something. But it's funny you said Derek Bailey. I was a friend just sent me a, a video of him performing live that I was watching earlier today, which was super cool. But Derek Bailey used to play more straight ahead stuff before he got into um, what most people know him as, which is which is a, a free player. Um, but I don't know. To me, I mean, my method of working on it was always just to to try to write my own exercises and, and explore, try to find creative ways of exploring something that might get me out of the usual patterns um, and might, might get me out of the other stuff I I would be working on, you know, whether that's scales or or chords, but just trying to, to come up with my own exercises to, to just try to figure out some new stuff to play. Um, But I think the method becomes a little bit harder to define because I think probably for everybody it's different. Well, can you, can you off the top of your head, can you uh, recount any of the self-created exercises you use to help stretch? Yeah. And I think actually one of them was the one that I, that I did the lesson um, in Premier Guitar, which is basically an an intervallic exercise. So instead of, um, you know, thinking about, let's say going through modes uh, of a scale or something to, to take each interval, 
let's say a tritone and that almost becomes its own mode. And then I made this kind of structured way to go through tritones. Um, It's also a great exercise for getting to know the guitar neck, just tritones all over the place, every different way you can play a tritone and and the sound of a tritone really getting in your ear. And then that'll almost becoming its own mode. And and I think it, it sort of frees you up a little bit, gets your fingers out of patterns and well, I guess into new patterns. Um, and then going through, you know, I would start with like a minor second and go up to a major tenth and, and explore each interval just on its own. Um, I just arbitrarily stopped at major tenth. You could probably go as far as you want. I also like wide intervals on guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that was a cool way just to explore the guitar neck in a different way and and then use some of that material for, for improvising, for composing, and try to kind of mix it in with, with some of the more traditional jazz stuff I was working on. To kind of wrap up this episode, Mary, when somebody, if you had a student come to you and says, yeah, I really like, I really want to be able to play free, mm-hmm. and you outlined some of the exercises we've talked about, but you want to point them to some like recordings or some players specifically, where would you, where would you send them? I mean, for guitar? Yeah. I would say probably one of my favorite free players was my teacher, Joe Morris. Um, and I would probably point them there. I mean, we were just talking about Derek Bailey. He's incredible. You know, and then I, the thing is, I think often people don't fit so neatly into a category. Like there's probably a lot of musicians I could point to that do some free playing and then do a lot of other stuff too. So I think it would really depend on what people's influences are. I mean, there's those those two people I mentioned, Joe and Derek, they're just great improvisers. So for me, I don't always put things in those categories. It's more like, who do I think is a great improviser? Um, and, and what is it that's so cool and unique about their sound? And, and kind of zoning in on that, um, rather than focusing on whether it's quote unquote free or not. Mm. I think just like what improvisers do you like? Yeah. And what are they doing that's interesting to you? And how could you try to do that in your own way? Have you had any new discoveries lately, either contemporary or historic? Um, you know, things that are new to you that have um, sparked your imagination? Let's see, new. So I guess if it was several years ago, but I would still count this as a new discovery to me. And this is funny because it has nothing to do with um, playing free, but but I've been really obsessed with Johnny Smith. And I think that can almost be applied because it, it doesn't matter what type of music it is. It, just the, the line playing he does on the guitar and, and the intervallic stuff. I was talking about my love for intervallic stuff. Um, there's no reason why Johnny Smith, as an example, couldn't be a huge influence on someone working on playing free. Um because it's really just the finding some beauty in something and then, you know, wh- what context you want to use it in is totally up to you. Cool. Well, I've learned so much today, Mary. Thank you. Uh, thank you so you. much. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been taking notes here and I'm going to I have plenty to practice this weekend, I think. <laughs> so, all right. Well, join us later this week. Mary's going to be back with us uh, Wednesday and Friday. So uh, until then, we'll talk to you later. Thank you.